nah, 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 <laughs> oh god! Oh god! Who cares? Um, hello and welcome back to another episode of the In and Around podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is sports media's number one, number one, Joel Linton, correspondent and Endubs fan. It's Mr. Mike Bresler. <laughs> hello, everyone. And uh, his right in real life is what's his nickname oh, the south Dorish statistician mr david harris thanks will hi guys look at that my my ability to think on the, the spot has just been bulldozed by alcohol um <laughs> so hey football bloody hell oh well, i should probably start with something um just a moment of sadness i think everyone um <sighs> <laughs> oh, oh, we need to hold commiserations because oh, what a start um, let me tell you now, <laughs> football heritage has occurred once again <laughs> um, <laughs> what's, what's better what's better I, I'm, I'm yet to understand well, I don't know what was the best scene in the ground after the mighty chops the mighty chops the mighty chops and uh, won the Champions League. I don't know what was better, the sight of Mason Mount hugging the trophy or the sight of Liam Gallagher almost crying. <laughs> oh, take your blue moon and shove it up your ass, pal. <laughs> oh, those guys, honestly. Imagine the Henry Hodgson. He stood on this podcast and he entertained talk of a treble. And then he entertained Who knocked you out of two of the competitions? Have it! <laughs> ah, anyway. That'll, that'll, that'll finish us for, for just this moment. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Um, that's all we really came here to say, really, is um, <laughs> we've, we've got Fraudiola. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, still going. <laughs> before we get on to the serious part of the pod... Um, Ladies and gentlemen, by now you know who Henry Hodgson is. It's not a serious pod anyway. You know who Henry Hodgson is. Man City fan. On the Saturday night, his mum had a bottle of champagne. And then Kai Havertz kept it on ice. Come on, baby! <laughs> oh, no. Yes! I didn't, I didn't realise they went to those lamps well. <sighs> Honestly, it was magical. Magical. Absolutely magical. Ladies and gentlemen, that would be very loud for you, and I'd like to apologise for that. But anyway, let's talk football, lads. Where do you, where do you want to start? <laughs> Anywhere but Porto. <laughs> no. Actually, no, that's not true. I don't want to talk about the Europa League final, so let's start in Porto. Let's start in Porto, honestly. A night where, I'm going to say, the better team won, um, to be honest. Um, better team on the day. From a neutral perspective, Dave, what did mm-hmm. you make of the game? Yeah, I thought Chelsea were by far the better team. Uh, they got a tactic spot on. Man City, classic Pep experimenting, sort of went wrong. Um, and then, yeah, Man City didn't really create that much. Uh, Rhys James, I thought, was excellent. 
shut down Sterling. And yeah, Chelsea just yeah could have had a couple really um, with Werner. I thought they were deserving of their win. And like you say, I think the better team on the day won. To be honest, Mike, what was your uh, your take? It was a cracking first half. It was pretty end to end, wasn't it? To begin it was, with, yeah. Yeah. it was mad. Um, me and my dad were saying this is a great advert for uh, British football because it's not normally like this <laughs> when the two big hitters uh, play each other, especially not in a Champions League final. <laughs> and then the second half started. Yeah, and then the second <laughs> half starts, and that's more what you expected the game to be like. I think Chelsea looking on the break, and obviously they had that chance with Pulisic to put the game to bed, really. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think Pep. We'll, I'm sure we'll get onto it. Pep got it wrong. Tuco got it spot on. And yeah, I mean, the the side that probably did deserve to win came out on top, even though obviously City are going to have a lot of the ball. That is how it played out. But they didn't really do a lot with it, did they? Yep. Nope. Uh, I don't know. You know, Spen, firstly, it's great. It, it, on paper, it's crazy that Chelsea won. It is, it's, unbel- it's absolutely crazy. I mean, that, if you think where Chelsea were... I'd, I, a few months ago, mid table. It was like a, I mean we've I'm, we've probably said it already, but it was it was a joke to think they'd even be in this game. Yeah. Let alone go and win it. We we sat on this podcast and were worried about them beating Atletico Madrid. Yeah. Yeah. I think rightfully so at the time. Yeah. Dave, do you want Will's stat of the week? Go on, Will. Um. Chelsea were behind in the entirety of their Champions League campaign for five minutes. What? I did I did see that one, in, actually. In all games? In all yeah, game. they were behind someone for one minute and behind someone else for four Porto. minutes. It was in Porto for four minutes, mainly. Mike, do you want to hear wow. something else? Do you know how many goals they conceded en route to winning it? Go on. Oh, wasn't it? Four. Four? Four, four goals. Four three, goals. Four. How many games do you play to win it? Like 12? 13? Hold on, I'm trying to work it out. Because it's six in, six in the group. and then, Yeah. Uh, That's outrageous. Three, Especially given that Lampard was coaching the team for a good portion 13. of that. That is a good point. And he, he couldn't coach a defence at all, if we're being honest. No. <laughs> um, weird one, because I think so much of the... So much of the pre-match was focused on City and this being City's crowning moment that we should probably start with City. Um, Mike, what did you make of the decision to not play Fernandinho or Rodri? Yeah, it was a bad one, wasn't it? Really bad. Um, as soon as the lineups come out, everyone's scratching their heads. Where where are they? Are they injured? What's going on? He's gone with without a striker, which you can understand. But yeah, the big one is... Where's Fernandinho slash Rodri, who's played in all but one of the other fixtures in the whole season for City? Um, and I mean, you saw the difference when he came on. I, I personally would have brought him on at half time. After you yeah. make the mistake, you're one down. You need him. You need him on there for the whole second half. Um, I think the goal is a lot less likely. Maybe wouldn't have happened had Fernandinho been there. Or Rodri, potentially. Um, yeah, not 
it's just Pep experimenting again and again. He's got it wrong in Europe, and on this occasion, it's on the biggest stage, wasn't it? I, I didn't like it when I saw the lineups. Mm. I didn't like it when I watched them in the first half. And I, yeah, like I say, I was stunned when they came out second half with the same eleven as what they started with because it was it clearly wasn't working, was it? Do you know when he turned when when he talked it through after the fact? I sort of when he talked it through, I was like, oh no, that makes a lot of sense. Because he was like, he was like, well, we thought they'd press really high, and Rodri struggled when pressed really high, so we had Gundogan for those little spaces. But which make, which I suppose makes sense in a way. But then he, but then Chelsea were never going to press high in this one. They pressed high, yeah, at the Etihad, but they were never going to press high in this one. I didn't think it was too much at stake. So it just appeared like he got it wrong. Um, Dave, how much do you think City's performance actually was just down to the the players not playing well on the day, though? Because in theory, they still had more than enough there to blow Chelsea away. Yeah, I mean, I think it doesn't help when you're trying to put De Bruyne through the middle up top and not having Rodri or Fernandinho in midfield. Um, I think that definitely plays a part. But yeah, I mean... Credit as James was great at shutting him down. Sterling, I felt, offered pretty much nothing. Um, he he was pretty bad, as far as I was concerned. Uh, John Stones as well. I know everyone's been having a go at Zinchenko for the goal, but if you look at the goal, John Stones is basically a right back, which is why Ruben Diaz was so far away, because Stones pushed over, so he sort of went over a, a bit to cover him. Zinchenko obviously is at fault too. I mean... Not really sure what he's doing there. I'm sure you loved it well, but <laughs> goal side, shouldn't he? He really yeah, should. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing there. Um, it's a woeful bit of defending that. And then, yeah, I mean, De Bruyne, I felt sort of struggled to get into the game, and he obviously went off injured. So when when they're usually pressing for a, a goal and you want a bit of magic, the main man to do that was was off the pitch for the last half an hour. So. I think, yeah, it was just an all-round bit of a shocker from Man City, really. I, I personally, Everything went wrong. Personally, I think De Bruyne could have been on the pitch for three days and he wouldn't have scored a goal. I'd, I'd, done anything. I'd love to know how many touches he had because he was, he was just nowhere. Yeah, he didn't, didn't get on the ball at all. Just, just touching on De Bruyne for a second. Like I know this false nine with him has worked in previous rounds and I, I guess the idea is do you experiment? But if you're facing like a, a defence maybe is going to sit in and there's not going to be tons of space, it just seems like an odd decision to put him up front. But Mike, do you... Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, I've always thought he's better further back where he can see the whole pitch. Um, so it seemed it seemed a bit weird to me. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think he needs the game in front of him a little bit more um, so he can pick those passes. I mean, we saw at Villa Park last year that one, that ball he played across the goal for a tap-in. Um, he almost picks up those sort of like Trent areas on the right where he drops in, finds a bit of space and then he can hit a cross in. But obviously in his false nine position, you just can't you just can't do that from there. Um, and yeah, we saw City struggle to find him. I think Foden was barely in the, ga- in the game either, really. Well, I, I mean, to be fair to Phil Foden, he's not very good, so... <laughs> um, even Mares, I've found really frustrating. He was trying to do one one player too many instead of just playing the simple pass. I think, yeah, 
the system didn't help, but the, no. it was an off day for quite a lot, a number of those City players as well. So, um, right, so the whole narrative all week has been about Pep overthinking, and um, we've sort of said it in the past that, I think Thomas Muller actually said it. He's probably way, he's way more qualified than us to talk about it. But he said that he thinks that sometimes Pep, in big games, Pep thinks too much about other teams and um, doesn't sort it out. Do you think City will ever win the Champions League if he has this propensity to to dick about in the big games? I'm not. I'm not sure. I think you you've got to play to your own strengths, and I think there's definitely a point to be made that Pep puts his team out to try and counter the strengths of the other team so just focus on the strengths of his own team and I think yeah if you're going to have that approach you're already basically putting yourself at like a handicap almost it's it's far harder for you to play your game if you're already taking some elements of that away to try and counter the best elements of the other team I think with these sort of finals you've just got to try and pick the best team you can, stick to the tactics that work for you and just, just go with that because like we keep seeing with Pep, he just he sort of tinkers with the team and let's be honest, it goes wrong most of the times, especially in these big games. Um, I mean, if he's going to do it in a league fixture, there's not as much, depending when and who against, there's not as much harm, but the fact he keeps doing it in finals and like even knockout games of any sort of cup competition, it, I find it baffling. I think, yeah, yeah, if he keeps doing this, I'd be very surprised if they win a Champions League. It is weird, Mike, that Pep is so obviously driven by the his ideology of playing beautiful football, short pass and keeping hold of the ball. And that in the league, he is so insistent on doing things his way, the right way. And then he turns up in these things and he starts focusing a bit too much on what other people do. Do you think it's a case of... I know he's won it before, but do you think it's a case of him wanting it too much at this point, wanting that validation? He's kind of the big one, isn't it, for City? That's the that's the yeah. one they've got. They need to win, and he knows it. Everyone else knows it. His team know it. So, and and as well, they went into this one pretty hot favourites, didn't they? If we're well, being honest, I mean, Chelsea were always gonna be an awkward opponent and Tuchel was going to come up with something as he obviously did but yeah and he did in the league as well to be fair <clears throat> and the cup yeah beating in the cup as well yeah. so do you think do you think I mean all the pre-game stuff about the the um the win in the league about how it wasn't it wasn't a full strength City side the win in the cup it wasn't a full strength City side you can't play into anything for those two games do you think it hurt the players mentality do you reckon to lose those games and to go in, yeah, I think Chelsea so. could beat you. Why? I think so because you're playing them in a game where there's so much pressure on it, and I think if you're a team and you've beaten them the last couple of times, that obviously would give you confidence. But they were going into this game knowing Chelsea are a whole different team to the one we played in the first half of the season. Become really efficient at the back. They've already beaten us the last two times we played. I'm sure the players would definitely be thinking about that a little bit. Um, I think it's only natural to. Like, yeah, I mean, there's both sides to it. If they're playing a team that they say they beat Chelsea twice in the league and in a, another cup competition, maybe they'd go into it too overconfident. But I, I think there's definitely an element where if a team are playing someone in a final and they've already lost to them, especially the last couple of times, 
it's got to play on their minds, I think, to some element. I reckon it might have a bit more of an impact on Chelsea, just knowing they can actually beat them rather than... That's a good point. I think, I think City it, it's probably there, but I think they know they're good enough if they play well to, to beat Chelsea. But if but Chelsea... <laughs> but, che- but Chelsea obviously beat them in the, in the semi-final. Yeah, maybe it wasn't a full team in the league, but they've won the last two against City, so they'll, they'll have gone in there and obviously Tuchel sets them up with a good plan. They'll have gone in there knowing we can beat, we can beat these. And I think that maybe plays into it a little more than City thinking, oh, these, these lot beat us the last two times. I'm a bit nervous now. I don't know. It's hard to say, isn't it? But Agreed. Bar one thing, last three now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I've got a stat for you if you want it. Uh, Mike? <laughs> it's Dave's stat of the week. Unbelievable, Mike. Hopefully, from that yeah. in front of an audience. Yeah, neighbours have probably heard that. that. Um, and his family. Um... Tuchel is the second manager to beat Guardiola three times in a row. Uh, the first manager being Klopp. Only two managers to ever beat him three times in a row. Are you ready? So, We've got Fraudiola. <laughs> Mike, um, comment on the rumours that Pep is a bold fraud. <laughs> I'll decline to comment. <laughs> no, it is interesting that before this game, there was some talk about um, Pep perhaps winning this obviously finally claiming another Champions League with a different club and claiming that perspective of maybe being the best manager ever. Do either of you buy that? Do you buy Pep's candidacy for that or no. do you think it's waffle? Uh, I don't know. It's, well, it, it's sort of hard, isn't it? Because he's won a lot wherever he's been. Um, but I mean, when people consider the best manager of all time, it's, it's maybe unfair on him because most of these great managers you think of like Sir Alex Ferguson, they're able to be at a team for a very, very long time. And that's it's not really something that sort of happens in the modern game. I mean, Pep's definitely up there. Um, one of the best coaches. I mean, to be fair, if he gets... It's one of those where, like, if he gets his Champions League with City, it definitely gives, like, more evidence and more of a case for you to put forward of making him one of the best coaches ever. Um but yeah, I mean, it's a weird debate anyway, because you bring up someone from the modern era and someone brings up Ferguson or Bob Paisley or it's a tough one. But I think in terms of modern coaches, he's he's definitely one of the best of this era. But to say he's the best, I don't know. There's a lot of good managers out there. Like as much as Mourinho and Ancelotti have declined, they've they've literally won it all. So mm. Ancelotti in, by the way, at Madrid. What a disaster that is. Oh Honestly, word. that's bad. That's, oh, oh. We usually miss a lot of the news on this podcast, but today has been, we postponed for a day. And what a decision it's turned out to be, by the way. You know, Man, you, you know at Real Madrid, he won 89 of 119 games as first time charge. Did you know at that time he had Cristiano Ronaldo? The, uh, second yeah, true. Yeah. And Bale in his prime. And Benzema. Yeah, yeah. It, um, that's going to be a disaster. Which would be quite funny to watch um, because Perez had an idea for saving football and then he's hired Ancelotti again who took Everton to 10. It's also, it's also funny for Everton when they get linked to all these managers and I wouldn't be surprised if Roberto Martinez after a lacklustre Euros of Belgium comes back. That would be, that'd be box office, to be honest. You want to talk about frauds? 
there's one right there. Um, what, Roberto Martinez? Yeah, he's, he's shite. Um, yeah, Mal- he's not going to manage it. Question about Pep. Let's get back to Pep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who hasn't got a Pep in his stead? <laughs> um, oh, God, it's just it's just great, isn't it? Um, is he... Is his time at City a failure if he doesn't win the Champions League? I mean, it's really hard to debate, but when you consider how much money he spent and the fact that, yeah, I mean, this season they lost the final and the season before, was it was it the quarters or the semis that they, quarters, wasn't it? They totally bottled against Leon. I mean, they got basically drawn against the, the weakest team in the lot and they got schooled by them and Sterling also finally got squared to. Uh, people had been waiting for that since 2018 World Cup and he put it about five yards over the bar in that one. I don't know. They're weird. It's a weird one because you've won loads of league titles and you've been at the top for a while with them in charge. But yeah, Champions League is like the ultimate trophy. And let's face it, Man City are buying all these players to try and win the Champions League. They know they can already win the Prem most of the time. I don't know. I think if you ask the fans, most of them are quite happy just winning the Prem at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Until but... Saturday, when they realised how big the Champions League was and then they didn't win it. Yeah, but I mean... you look I, at... think it's, I think it's one of those where the jury's out, but maybe it won't be until he, he either wins the Champions League or he, or he leaves. Man City were really come to a judgment on that. I think it's hard to really judge him when he's still in the role. For all we know, he could stay for a few more years and he could win a couple of Champions Leagues. It's hard to say until he actually leaves Man City, I think. I, I think, I was looking at the trophy hall, like, they've, he's won an unbelievable amount of trophies and I don't want to downplay the, I don't want to downplay the Carabao Cup, but he's won a lot of Carabao Here Cups. And the Carabao Cup, to a club like City is not as important. No, it's basically a, a mid-season community shield so, to Carabao. To be so honest, two, the whole thing about this is twofold. In that one, that I don't, I think, I don't think it can be considered a complete failure because he has turned City into a really dominant side. That particularly in the English league, the likes of which probably will go down in history in terms of how dominant they were. But secondly, it's worth saying they have been a lot better in Europe since he got there. Yeah. Have they? They finished the semi-final the year before he got there. Okay, but now he's got to a final. In his in his last in his latest year after spending nine hundred million thousand coins on uh fullbacks. <laughs> uh, who then let him down. Who yeah. then yeah, who then let him down great <laughs> Honestly, it is quite funny. Look, there's a lot of this that is quite funny. But Zinchenko, a converted attacking midfielder playing at fullback instead of all the other fullbacks that Pep's got, lets him down. Superb. Drink it in. It's football heritage, Dave. Um, but for me, it, like, if he doesn't win the Champions League, at least some part of his time at City's have been a, a bit of a failure. So. Yeah, I mean. It's definitely up for debate, but I feel, like you said, I don't think you can make a full judgment on it until until Pep leaves. Yeah, and Roberto Martinez leads them to European glory. I've got if look, that happens, look, I might be looking for a new sport to be interested sh- in. Sheikh Mansur and uh, his lawyers, who are obviously listening in. Um, here's what you want to do: you want to wait till the middle of next season. You want to wait till the end after the first round. 
in the Champions League, then you want to sack him and you want to bring in Roberto Di Matteo. It's, <laughs> it's the only way these things work. Like, you call from Chelsea. That'd yeah. be fun, wouldn't it? Well, to be honest, it would, wouldn't it? There you are. We've had our fun. Let's move on. Um, anyway, we, let's talk about the Chelsea. Um, Mike, why is Ben Chilwell a shoe-in for the Blonde Or? <laughs> Who was even on his side? Oh, it was Mares. Oh, well, he had an easy ride perform- all game. Honestly, honestly, what a performance by the two fullbacks for Chelsea. They were unbelievable, yeah. weren't they? <clears throat> yeah, they were excellent. Really, really good. They, they pretty much, I mean, yeah, well, they did that. Sterling was, couldn't get out of Reese James's pocket and Mares on the odd occasion. But he found a bit of space um, past Chilwell, just ran into the next bloke, whoever was happened to be there at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, excellent. I To be honest, I thought the entire back line for Chelsea, I thought Rudiger was excellent. I thought Aspilicueta yeah, was Yeah, Rudiger was excellent. I just wanted to say on the on the commentary surrounding Christensen coming on, they sounded like they'd plucked him out of non-league. <laughs> yeah. And he came on and was brilliant, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He got like everything. But why? The commentators are so surprised. Right. Well, As if he'd never comment- played before. The commentators were apps. I think the entire BT setup was absolutely furious when Chelsea won. Um, because obvi- because it took Joe, Co- Joe Cole. Honestly, I love Joe Cole. I love Joe Cole for many reasons, but my favourite thing about Joe Cole was essentially him going, all right, lads, let's not forget there's two teams playing here, all right? <laughs> and then him going mad and jumping around. And yeah, gantries. jumping around. That's, that is exactly the kind of thing you want to see in football. Um, but, so going on like that, and that was so a good performance all round. I thought further at the pitch, I thought Mount Havertz, Played the roles well, Havertz took the goal nicely. I think we the time has probably come to talk about the main man himself, uh, Little Ingolo, who this is your second stat of the week, won the most aerial duels in the game. Yeah, he right. won a header in between the two centre backs. <laughs> how City? How tall is he? Five foot six, five foot seven. Oh, he's a giant, an absolute giant of a man. <laughs> Honestly, what a player. Um. He is so good. I can't get yeah, over how good is. he is. He, he had an he's, in- he's complete. He had an, an interception on Mares, where you could hear the crowd audibly gasp. Mares was just running with the ball, and then Golo just appeared out of nowhere, took the ball off him, and Mares carried on running as if he'd like lost his horse. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Um, so questions on Angola because he is the he is the there was the undisputed man of the match it, man of the match in the Atletico Madrid game man of the match in both the semi-finals man of the mm. match in the final the definition of a big game player this year so what happened in the aftermath was, was a bit of a as there always is in these things there's some wild speculation that's why the pod delayed to try and keep you away from some of my wild speculation but here it comes anyway is he actually within in a shout for Blondor? Has he got has he got a case? Do you reckon? I think he's got a case, but I don't think that means he'll win it. Who yeah. wins? It also will depend on who wins the Euros, won't it? If France win the Euros, he's a shoe in, is he not? <clears throat> it's hard to it's, it's hard, hard to, to look, look past him, <laughs> wouldn't it be? Champions League and Euros in the same season. I'm sorry, France. I'm sorry, England. Sorry, I've got to root against you. 
Depends who you get in the sweepstake. Oh, it doesn't at this point. If the Golo Ballon d'Or's on the line, I'm there. Um, but no, seriously, is in terms of candidacy, can you actually see it? Like, who's it's... who's had a better season? I mean, I mean, numbers-wise, people have, but narrative-wise, who who matches that? I think the Euros plays a big part into it. Yeah, that's probably true, isn't it? That's upsetting. Like, for example, Kane or Lewandowski, either of them do well, meaning that country go quite far especially well, Poland, Poland. Now, no no but say Poland got to like the quarters of the semis God, if they which would be now, huge would be, <laughs> be huge for them and Lewandowski is probably the man that drags them there you know after the season he's had in Germany that would certainly bump his stock up quite a lot look look if Harry how often do also, players like Kante win it though Never really. Well, Luka Modric is the last one, really, didn't he? He finished second oh, in the well, World Cup. Forgive him, Modric, a Ballon d'Or. He, he won. He came second in the World Cup and was probably their best player. And he um, won the Champions League that year, the though, Champions right? League, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, they didn't I, win the league. Was it Barca won the league that year? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So that'd be uh, a pretty similar case then. Yeah, but Kante's better. Because I, I was looking into, uh, obviously, I, I got, firstly, I was looking at it to see if I could, like, make the Mason Mount case. Uh, oh, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, Player of the Year nominee, Mason Mount, as announced today by the Premier League. Um, He's probably so, in the Hall of Fame by now. Uh, I would have him there. He is in the Will Hunt household. Oh, honestly, I'd have him there. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking about it, because, like, Messi's won a Spanish, Messi's had an unbelievable statistical season. Yeah. Again, but he's only won a Spanish Cup. And I thought to myself, Lewandowski's probably your, your main person. Cause he is the main I one. I feel really. sorry for him not getting it last year. Yeah, and he... Giving it him last year, anyway. He was robbed last year, but mm. I was just thinking about this, like... I don't know. I don't know. I think it, I think he's a real case. Anyway, anyway. He's quite lucky that there's been certain injuries, though. Like, Mbappe hasn't won anything at club. Mate, who cares? Did he even win the French Cup? I don't know. But... He's been injured a lot, so someone that you'd think would be one of the almost shoe-ins for a candidate. Not even sure he really has as much as a case as you'd usually expect. Yeah, it, it is. It is a weird. In, it's going to be a weird, interesting Ballon d'Or race. But one final thing on Kante, I just want to say. Uh, um, I think he's for me now. He's in that tier. I think of of at least at least for Chelsea. I think he's in that tier with. And this is going to sound wild. But so I'm going to preface this. He's in that tier with Lampard, Czech, Terry, in terms of absolute players of just unbelievable quality that play for the football club. Yes, he doesn't have the years, but you think about everything he's won for that club. At least for me, at least, I think he's in that level of players I love. I think he's surpassed Hazard and things like that, for example. Yeah. Yeah. We'll revisit that six months down the line, well, and see if you still feel the same. I will feel that. I, it's. I don't think that's going to change, to be honest. I think once you've. No, he is a fantastic player. I. I think. In, I think if you look back across the last year, this is my question. Okay, there is a question at the end of this ramble. In the last decade, has mm-hmm. there been a player other than Kante? That. Other. Okay, in the midfield. We'll say in the midfield because has walked in, can walk into your club and instantly turn you into a really good side. Like in terms of like a ceiling raiser and a floor raiser, like you look at, you look at, he's such a special player and no one does what he does. Like he's just like on another level to almost anyone really. 
I'd have argued Vardy, but I think to find someone that Kante does is, is pretty much impossible. Like you can find other goal scorers, can't really find any midfielders that can do what Kante does, really. Because you, you think about... Even like Ndidi is, is great and Rice, but they're, even they're miles behind Kante, in my opinion. Because you, you think miles. about... You think, about the, be the next one you think yeah. about the case, like for Kante, like walked into Leicester, won a league title, then went to a Chelsea who, yeah, they'd had a down season, they were still a good side, but he won in the league title. And then Chelsea were pretty good with him in there, despite not having a striker. And then he was injured for a bit. And then all of a sudden he's won him a Champions League. So. Do you want to know the um, Ballon d'Or odds as it stands? Who is it? Who is it? Favourite is Mbappe at nine to four, followed by Lewandowski at nine to two, and then Kante at five to one. That is. I'm not sure how Mbappe is that. Unless I've missed something, I swear he's actually missed a lot of games this season. No, he's played. He's averaging really over well. a goal a game, but he's played really well. But he's not. But, not, he's that but they didn't favorite. win the one. One didn't horse win the, league. They didn't win the league title. I know. He didn't win the league. They didn't go particularly far in there. Did they go far in the Champions League? I don't think... Not... No? Yeah. Well, they didn't make the final. They, they made the final last year. Which got semi-finals, yeah, didn't they? That would be much more of a case for Mbappe if they made the final. Yeah, got Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, it's irrelevant. It's it, it's going to N'Golo. Uh, to quote the Gallagher's, as you were, NG. You know, like... Um, anyway, N'Golo's the best player of all time. Uh, I'm just looking down Can't the list. Can't wait for him to give it to Messi, then. Uh, well, honestly, Messi could win it and he wouldn't win it in my heart. And that's all that matters. <laughs> um, so I, I did want to touch on one thing earlier on, Mike. You said that Tuchel got his tactics spot on. Did you think... I don't know if he... I thought he just... His success in this game was just playing completely to Chelsea's strengths. In that the whole idea was City kept getting caught out by the same thing, which is that ball that that ball to Chilwell, first touch, touch passing side to Mounts, and then they were looking for runners. And they just did it all game, all game, all game. And I think that's the, at least for me, is the brilliance of the two short teams, is that they just do, they just put your players in the right positions to succeed, and they do succeed. Pretty much. I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about with Pep, wasn't it? Yeah. All I've heard there, Mike, is that Tuchel's better than Pep, and I'll take that to the bank. Um, one last thing about this game before moving on. Um, how many zeros do you think got added to the transfer fee for Haaland during this game? Oh, a couple at least. Uh, I'll tell you what else. There's a couple of zeros added to Tuchel's uh, signing on fee as well, by the way. Pay the man. Pay the man. his new contract. It was four and a half mil. It's now nine. Yeah. Whatever they were going to pay. Uh, yeah, but yeah, City need a striker. For fuck's sake, go and buy one, please. You know who also need a striker? Chelsea also need a striker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Someone save Kane from Spurs, please. Someone, someone buy Haaland and avoid Harry Kane. Um, unless you're United, in which case, buy Harry Kane. Seen Chelsea linked with Lukaku, well. Yeah, yeah, game back. Who cares? Is it, yeah, because Inter, Inter have money trouble. That's why Conte Honestly, let's be honest. sell 70 mils worth of players, something like that. Let's be honest. Just get him in. Let's piss the league and let's win the Champions League again. Because <laughs> honestly, these fuckers can't stop us. 
Uh, like, look at this. They it took the great. They're like they were like you know what you want to be underdogs again. We can't. It can't be Munich in their own stadium. It's just got to be one of the greatest modern teams winning going for their first one. And you know what? You know what Aspilicueta said. He said, "Piss off." <laughs> look at him. What a player, Mike. A word on the captain because he is the oh, I greatest love that man. player of all time. <clears throat> yeah, he had a he had a great game. The uh, his stuff with Havertz after the game was class as well. I thought that um, that interview. Mm. He's just a good bloke, isn't he? He came yeah. just the summer after you won it last time, so it's nice that he gets one for his up. resume as well. Tear it up. Honestly, that that interview with Havertz, apart from it was just magnificent in every a- aspect. But it was class, wasn't it? But it was to be serious. It was real, real, real leadership of the the bloke just being like, yeah. But also, he kind of said, well, it was at the same time, like, he's won a Champions League. At the same time, you're going, yeah, but he needs to kick on. I'm like, fucking hell. Like, good stuff. I love it. Um, How about he, be naughty when he kicks on? Yeah. Shit, man. For, for the points of doubt, has also surpassed Hazard. Um, anyway. Anyway, where do we go from here? Do we talk about anything else? Do we, or do we just... Let's just... Let's, let's get into it. Like, I mean, how small a club are Arsenal and Tottenham? Like, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're sat over there, you're Arsenal, like, oh yeah, we've, we're have we a big club, Ooh. they've got like, they've got whatever, 13 Premier Leagues, God, you've been champions of England a few times, you've never been champions of Europe, up yours, have this, dicks, honestly, I can, uh, I can't even chat to us anyway. <laughs> um, Kante, uh, better player than Vieira, there we are. Um. Let's move on. He just is in every way. And that'll have annoyed a few Arsenal fans. But I Jesus. Um, right. So City have spent 900 or whatever million dollars on um, players and haven't won the um, Champions League. Let's talk about a club that spent 750 million on players and haven't won the Europa League. It's Mainz Man United. Um, Braves, obviously. Lost to Europa League. This was all of the problems with Solskjaer's management condensed into 90, 120 minutes and penalties, wasn't it? Mm. Horrendous. <laughs> <clears throat> do, do you know what? I, I, I don't know if I've come around to not blaming Ollie anymore, but he didn't make a sub to what? The 106th minute or something? I mean, come on. Really? McTominay was our best player. By a mile as well. That guy should lead Scotland now. Unbelievable. Should lead Scotland. Him and Champions League winning Billy Gilmore in midfield. That's a fair it, It's going up north. No, yeah. I mean, I, I'd, some of the subs were baffling. He takes Pogba off just before the penalties, which... Yeah. I don't know what he was thinking. I mean... In his defence, all of his outfield players scored, so I don't know if you can blame him with the subs of penalty takers in the end, because as much as your opinions, they all scored at the end of the day. Could it have got to penalties is probably the better question. No, it's a good point, Well, We can't beat Villarreal. They finished seventh in La Liga. <laughs> but, but the subs thing, the reason I'm, I blame Solskjaer less is because there was just no one on the bench. <laughs> Who's he going to turn to? 18-year-old Ahmad. I don't think so. I quite, I quite or we can bring Mike. on Alex Tellez to play left back. Oh, great. I quite enjoy Mike being annoyed at 
Pogba going off for once. Um, I couldn't believe it. I was like, we're this close to penalties and you're taking him off. Okay. That makes him even more of a fraud. I bet that was Pogba just signalling. I don't fancy a pen here, Ollie. <laughs> there it is. That's all I can. Um, but no. Get me off. We'll bring on Fred. He'll take a pen. You said something on the day that was quite, um, I thought, quite telling. Because I said to you, I said, bloody half, these players look knackered. And then you said, this is a byproduct of Oli playing them when he's 4-0 up in games. Um, we're Really weird squad management. Like, he hasn't trusted Van der Beek. It's, it's just odd, isn't it, Dave? It is really weird. Bruno has been, well, he's been gasping for some time, it feels like. Because, like Mike says, there's, games way just doesn't need to be played and Bruno gets played not only does he start but if he comes off he comes off in like the 85th minute and surely maybe Solskjaer doesn't trust Van der Beek but he's he's proved himself I think to be a competent enough player like surely you you trust him to do a job in a in a game where it's not as vital and then it's like the team he put out on the last day of the season in the Prem I'm like it's nice that he's finally done this, but he should have done it far more games this yeah, season. Yeah, it was too late. Yeah. Bruno looked... I thought about half an hour into this game, Bruno already looked like he's flagging a bit. Played like... What's he played? Like 61 games or something this season? Something stupid. Maguire so, hadn't missed a minute in the Premier League to leave. Sorry, I think it's like 58 or 59, but even so, it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. When you consider he's played 90 minutes or at least 80 plus in most of those games. Absolutely wild for him. Yeah, he'll probably get through a new three-year deal. He's maybe. He's I saw that. It. Yeah, apparently he's going to get offered a deal regardless of the result. Was what I was seeing before the final. That's where we are right now. It's, it's bizarre, isn't it? it? Really, like the thing is with Bruno, like he plays because of the position he plays, he's going to try stuff, and sometimes he's going to look shit, and then other times he's going to look spectacular. And when you take in, when you add in the whole being absolutely shattered into that it's going to make him look really bad like I mean Rashford had a really poor game yeah he's been bad for about three months but what I didn't realize was he's play he's playing with like like a torn thing in his shoulder and like something yeah. wrong with his feet and he's going to the Euros now and he's of course he's got to put the entire country on his back in his neck so like I think we've just got to be like when's the poor bloke having a, a day off yeah, also, wasn't it last season where Solskjaer played him with a fracture in his back for a couple of months or something ridiculous? Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, the man's <laughs> got to gotta accept sometimes that you just need to rest up because he's going to give him some serious long-term damage if they allow him to play. I mean, I don't know if you can really say that's Solskjaer's fault. Obviously, they've got a, a medical team and at the end of the day, if Rashford's like begging to play, when it comes to a game like a final, you want someone that's... He's basically a Man United fan. He's a local lad. You don't really want to take that out of the team in those sort of games, he, I don't might, think. Especially when it's Rashford. He might not as well have been out there, though. He was, he yeah, was he was awful. I felt sorry for him, to be honest. Um, great penalty I mean, that game also describes perfectly why United cannot challenge for a title still at the moment. Because they've got an 11, but they don't have a, a squad. There's no one you can bring off that bench and you're like, they're going to get, they're, they're going to change the game at the moment. There was just no one on it, which is why he didn't want to make subs because his best team was out there. No, it is, but, it, it, 
it is telling that when you because I looked when I was when we were watching the Champions League finding the teams were announced pre-game you sit there and you look at the wealth of options on City's and Chelsea's benches for example mm-hmm. compared to United and then you're like you're like well you'd for them to even challenge you'd have to have like a Liverpool season last year where no one's fit well no one's injured everyone's fit every week everyone's firing and because you as soon as you went beyond that first 11 for Liverpool it was a bit of a struggle but United they don't even have that that first 11 you'd be settled like in this game like McTominay played well but that midfield was was not at it again no yet again I mean we've been talking about it all season pretty much but yeah McTominay was far and away the best player for us on the pitch and he he I've said some things about him obviously before but he really did drive the team forward in that final and I'd it would have just petered out without him, to be honest. It was it was rubbish. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I yeah. Any optimism I had's gone. It would have been a half decent season second in Europa League, but Yeah. Can't even beat Villarreal. Fuck me. The wait goes on for a trophy. Ah, tell you what, Manchester's had a week, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, dear Lord. Um where to go from here in terms of talking football? Where to go from here? Other than to just yet again announce that only one team in London has European Cups and they have two. Um, so there we are. Um, Want to do the England squad quickly? Oh, it's a good point. We can talk about Mason Mount, can't we? There we go. Um, you've got me back in, Mike. Um, England squad. Let me get it up. I mean, the England squad, that is. Crikey. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Some of those performances Saturday night, Mark, let me tell you. <laughs> um, the England squad is... Oh, God. Uh, the, uh, you know, you have such a good week and then England announced their squad. Oh, God. Um, I actually don't hate it for what's worth. Uh, Dean Henderson, Sam Johnson, John Pickford, your goalkeepers. Trent, Ben Chilwell, Connor Cody, Rhys James, Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire. Tyrone Mings, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Kieran Trippier, Kyle Walker, Jude Bellingham, Jordan Henderson, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, DCO, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden's in, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Bakayo Saka from a small, small club, and Jaden Sancho and Raheem Sterling are in. Um, Let's start with the obvious, four, four right-backs. Yeah. <laughs> um, how let me ask you a question. How much do you reckon Reese James was not in this squad and then after the Champions League final Southgate put him in? I'm honestly not sure what the heck's happened there. Well, uh, I don't know why there's four. All I can think is that he wants to try Kyle Walker in a back three like he did in the in the World Cup. Maybe he's hoping Trent's delivery is something he can bring on if he won't start him. Uh Obviously, Trippio as well, good delivery, but I, I'm not actually sure he's... Maybe I'm being harsh. I don't think he's quick enough a lot of the time. Um, I think Rhys James... Surely he was already in the squad before. If Southgate's only putting him in the squad because of that Champions League game, good Lord. I think James is fantastic. He's like 20 and he's... This whole season, he's been he's been great whenever he's played. Surely... Surely Southgate isn't thinking, okay, he's good in the Champions League final. I'll, I'll pen, instead of penciling him in, I'll put him in and cross off like Lingard or someone. Surely he was there. 
it's it is it's it's just a bit odd having four right backs. I mean Trippier's obviously. I I was reading uh there's I was reading an article the other day about Flex. He's been really good this year when he's played. Yeah, he's been he has been fantastic. But then again, to have to have him, Reese James and Trent. Um, yeah, that's the hard. thing. Walker, you, you know that he's tried him in a back three before, and he could maybe play there. But Trent's literally never played anywhere else. As much as people talk about him possibly being good in the midfield, you don't want to try and experiment with that in the Euros. No way. Um, I could play him there against Scotland. Oh, Mike, don't worry. McTominay and Gilmore will, will destroy us. Honest. And Shea Adams everyone, will score like five. Everyone keeps saying that we can play there against Scotland. Do you... Uh, the Scottish Iniesta is going to have us on toast, lads, to be honest. I, I, I wouldn't even think Well, twice. and there's Andy Robertson, and I don't know if they'll try and whack Tierney at right back, but they've got to play both of them. I wouldn't play him. But then again, I wouldn't play it's any Arsenal players. because he plays for a small club. Um, I wouldn't play any Arsenal players. Uh, you just want to try and rely on clubs who know how to win things. Um, I wouldn't play Harry Kane either for while I'm at it. I've got, <laughs> I've got another one. Why do you think he's put Bellingham and Calvin Phillips in the squad instead of a player like Ward-Prowse? Hold on, you want him to take less midfielders? No, I'm saying why has he put? Why has he got those two holding midfielders when he already has Henderson and Rice? Why isn't if he's only going to have that many midfielders? Why is it not Phillips and Ward-Prowse or Phillips and even Lingard or Bellingham and one of those two? Like, why would he not put in another midfielder that can maybe play in that that more Can central attacking that? role? Have I missed something? John Henson is sitting midfielder now. Because everyone keeps saying this, but John Henson played. Yeah, a lot but of what, you're not going to play him further up in Southgate's system. If you're playing where else does he put him? If you're playing a double six, you're playing him and Rice, and it's perfectly balanced. One can go forward, one defends, one defends, the other goes forward. It, it's a weird one, though, but because then you're leaving players out, like potentially like a Grealish or a Foden. How do you. Well, it's first, a weird one for him to get the I'm best out of this. I'm even phoning that full stop. He wouldn't be going to Euros if I was in charge. Kind of players who bottle Champions League finals in there. Um, but no, seriously. But if you're playing a big, if you're playing a, going to play three at the back, which looking at this squad makeup, I think the amount, the sheer amount of defenders versus how few midfielders there are, yeah, I think tells you you're probably looking at like a three-four-three three or something. And mm-hmm. if you're playing a three-four-three three, against the smaller teams, you can get away with playing Mouse and Rice probably as a pivot. As two double sixes, but you can't really. I'd, again, like you play Croatia, you're going to play Matt and Rice in there. That's going to be a really tough game. Whereas, play Jordan yeah. Henderson. But I mean, should Jordan Henderson be going? Is your other question. It's a strange one, isn't it? He was always going to be there, wasn't he? But should he? I'm not. I'm not entirely sure he should. But then it's one of those where Southgate's clearly picked this team because it suits his system and, and Henderson's been great in that team whenever he's playing in it, to be fair. And you know that a fully fit Henderson's definitely worthy of a place, but this season, obviously, in Liverpool, they just all got injured. So he didn't have like a full season. Um, and to be fair, he was in a Liverpool team that a lot of the time he was playing was massively underperforming. So it's maybe a strange one, but like Mike says, yeah, didn't really expect him to ever leave Henderson out. I think if there's if there's a chance he's he can be fit, you're going to take him. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I think there's a couple like of Maguire. Maguire might yeah. not be 100%, but you're going to take him, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I, do, I do agree that they both, they both go. To be honest, as squads go, aside from, in my eyes, I was like, I'm not sure why Saka's going, because Saka's never going to play. Out of, out of the people there, I find it very unlikely that Saka, despite how unbelievably talented Saka yeah. is, I find it incredibly unlikely that he's going to play. And whether or not they're taking him for the experience is fine. But looking at that midfield, it's so it's so light in terms of just options that I think you'd have benefited from James Ward-Prowse, particularly given that at the last World Cup, set pieces was such a massive part of what England did. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, the... Um... The midfield's probably the one, isn't it? Maybe you can nick a right back and, and get, I don't know, another centre-half or another midfielder if you wanted from there. But yeah, Saka would be probably the odd one out up yeah. front. Yeah. I do, th- I, do think, I do think looking at it as four right-backs is, is what everyone seems to be doing. But also... I think Carl- Walker's a centre-back in that. Carl that- Walker's a centre-back. And James... Yeah can play right centre-back of a three. He has done for Chelsea. And he can also play in midfield, can't he? He did that at Wigan. I'm not saying you would play him in midfield, but he can do it. Um, yeah, I was wondering if Trent was in there as a bit of cover for the centre-mid as well. Trent should just be going home. Um, <laughs> uh, Mike, let me, let, me, let me walk you through a potential way England could line up. And let me tell you if it gets you excited. I want you to tell me, OK? All right, this is super, this is super, this is when we go to play the Scottish uh, Iniesta and the other small countries like Scotland. Um, in goal, Dean Henderson. I'm assuming Maguire's fit, by the way, for this. Right yeah. back, Reese James. Stones, Maguire, then Shaw slash Chilwell. Mm-hmm. They are very much of a muchness for me. Rice and Mount as your two sitters. Sancho at right wing. Grealish mm-hmm. in the hole. Foden on the left. Kane up front. It gets better, doesn't it? It really yeah. does. It's good, but Southgate's going to want to play a stupid three at the back. Look, three at the back, depending on how you play three at the back, three at the back could be as attacking as 42. Three in the back's fine, but if Connor Cody's one of the three, you're already... You're already struggling if it's a good team. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also, to be honest, not sure how Mings is there. I think it's literally just because he's a left-footed centre-back. If you're picking a Villa centre-back, Conte should be the one. Yeah, but to be honest, tournament football is all about options, isn't it? Yeah, and Mings being left-footed is potentially a really good asset. To be fair. Um. Yeah. Well, yeah. Depending what he does with it. <laughs> going forward, we we're, we're pretty tasty. It's it's going the yeah. other way. It's going to be the problem. But well, genu- it might not be. But. Genuinely looking at the future, um, we're all forgetting there's a World Cup in a year. So Southgate's probably thinking, well, we've got, we've got another tournament the one after, so it'd be nice to get a sense of what we could True. do with this one. Also, None of these players are old, really, other than Henderson. Just coming on to that, this is actually um, the youngest squad announced for the tournament, which, considering what England's typically like, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> It's coming home. Euros and World Cup in back-to-back years. Come on. That is um, a really good point. It's probably a tournament too soon for this group, do you reckon? It's hard to say when the next tournament's in one year. I'll be ready then. Bellingham's going to be a world beater. I actually do think Bellingham's class for what it's worth. 
Well, of course you do. They've named the stadium after him. <laughs> well, not yet, Mike. That's when he wins any sort of major honours with England. That's that's the next rollout in the Bellingham tribute. It is interesting that um, they got. We we're probably a, after years of having too many centre halves. We're now a centre half away from being a really really good side. <laughs> yeah, we've got, uh, yeah, we got none. Laporte, do you fancy it? <laughs> you want to change again? <laughs> um, yeah, no, exciting times. Could do something. Um, on a on a like a really serious note to end the podcast. Um, if if we do win the Euros, um, can we look past Reese James for the Ballon d'Or? <laughs> I wonder where this was going. Well, and that's not what I thought. I thought it was going to be Mount. Yeah, but... same. Well, all Mount needs is Euros, and he surpassed Steven Gerrard. I would no be comment. Any Liverpool fans look, that even look, still look, listen look, to this, look, they, we, they if, probably if, won't again after that one. There can't we, be many. If we get Mount to it's Premier League... It's kind of my League, uni mates do, but I think we'll scare them off sometimes. If we get Mount to Premier League, I'm going to be on here talking reckless about Steven Gerrard. Because I already think Gareth Barry had a better Premier League career. You have had an episode over there. <laughs> well, you still on the drinks. Oh, God, I'll tell you what. Tell you what, I just think it. Uh, I actually, on a serious note, do have to announce something. Um, if any eagle-eyed listeners, eagle-eyed, eagle-eared listeners to the pod will know that a few months ago I promised if Jorginho won Chelsea a Champions League, I would buy a Jorginho Chelsea shirt. Have put in the order today. <laughs> well, <laughs> followed no through. Way. Followed through. And uh, I yeah. hope to see that at Wednesday football. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, you can join me in my Steve McMahon and Liverpool. Show. I haven't, for what it's worth, Mike, I haven't ordered that yet. Someone, yeah. someone bought it, yeah. so I'm still Excellent trying to source news. another one. Yeah. The thing is, the thing is with it is <laughs> even getting like an old Liverpool shirt and getting someone to print McMahon is actually more expensive than you think. So, at this point, Mike, I'm thinking of I've seen some tribute shirts, you know, like fan T-shirts for like oh, Gerald. No. There's those no. with McManaman holding the trophy, and it's, it's very tempting. It just does. Um, but yeah, I, I don't even like our new kit as well, and it's got Georgini on the back. I didn't put J5, lads. I thought oh, about it. No, to be fair, well, that. I mean, at this stage, getting any. Any name on the back's questionable, but I might buy Joel Linton Newcastle. Acting like he's a variant of the J2O drink scrapers. Intre- to be honest, if you buy a football shirt and you like, like, and you have a name on the back, it is what it is, isn't it? Like I'm not. I mean, you, it's one of those our age, our people age. out there getting their first name on it. Guys, our like age. Dave Tan, that that's not on. <laughs> <laughs> You're playing ten. Oh no. Oh god. Oh, I'm not playing ten, Mike. It's just just an example. I'm not ah. gonna get like a five shirt. Ah, Rage, if you're wearing a football shirt for anything other than playing football or in your back garden, words have to be discussed. Yeah. Uh, I unless think you, unless, you should be unless like Dave is accompanied by a bucket hat. Um so better go here. I guess um if you to... heard that noise there, Will, it was Henry Hodgson in the future throwing down his headphones um, after you talked so reckless there. Better place to stay. <laughs> what was that, Sergio Aguero? Leaving... He's off to Barca now, mate. Club... Watch him win a Champions League. Leaving a playing your final game for a club you're a legend at? Oh, couldn't win the Champions League, did he? I managed it. 
Come outside, Aguero. We need to talk. Oh, God. David Silva, where's your Champions League trophy? You weren't even playing. <laughs> oh, magnificent, isn't it? Honestly. Champions of Europe, eh? God. God, who'd have thought it? Who'd have thought it? Right. Um, we will end the podcast here. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to find um, Dave Harris, Dave, where can I find you? At Dave Harris underscore 44. Um, Mike, if the people want to follow you for more Joel Linton news and perhaps see a picture of that McMahon and Mam shirt when it comes around, where can they do that? Oh, God. <coughs> uh, at Mikey Breslin on Twitter. And if you want to follow me, you can do so at Wilhunt17 um, or alternatively my new Twitter account handle, which is just at Stop Crying Phil Foden. Um, uh, or you can follow us at In and Around Pod, which is also our new Twitter account as ha, 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 Liam Gallagher. <laughs> A lot of characters. Um, if you want to find more extended thoughts from us, you can find them on In and Around Media dot com. But also you can you can just just picture slander. And that'll be us there. Um, we won't be around next week because we'll be taking a week off so I can um, drink myself silly. Um, but then we'll be back to do a Euros preview. And I believe pre-Champions League, Henry Hodgson had agreed to join us. So we'll talk you through all the betting for that as well on the day. But he probably won't join you anymore because he's still got to drink that bottle of Why did he tell you that? Why? Why did he tell anyone? He should have just said they drank it anyway. Right, till next time, see you later. Cheers. Cheers. Take your blue mood and fuck off.